Biz News Power Hour. Welcome to the Biz News Power Hour, where we give you the rational perspective on business news that matters. Welcome to the Business Power Hour. I'm your host, Jackie Cameron, for Business. We've got a cracking show lined up for you this Friday evening, starting with two of South Africa's smartest businesswomen, Helena Conradi, who is stepping up, stepping down, shall I say, CEO of exchange traded fund business Satrix, and Grace Harding, the CEO of Ocean Basket, a business empire that spans the globe. Second half of the show, we have wine retail industry entrepreneur Carrie Adams, who hosts our popular festive Friday Wine Focus. And we'll be speaking to an equally smart woman about trends and developments in the wine retail sector. Rebecca Constable is a specialist wine buyer at Woolworths. Carrie also has James Dyke on her show today. He is opening a new wine bar in Parktown North. First, it's a warm welcome to Helena Conradi. Helena, you announced this week that you're leaving the business you've been instrumental in launching and growing. Have we got Helena? Oh, we might have lost Helena. So just to recap then, we've got Helena coming up on the show, and we also have Grace Harding, the CEO of Ocean Basket, uh, and second half of the show, some other smart women with Carrie Adams on our Festive Friday. Helena, are you with us? I'm with you. Hi, Jackie. Hi, Helena. Helena, you surprised your colleagues by announcing this week that you were stepping away from this business that you've been so passionate about. Can you just give us a bit of the background to why you made this decision now? Um, it's 20 years, so I think that in itself says that it's a long time. Now, it was a wonderful 20 years, so I've been very privileged to be part of the business. Um, as you said, very passionate about the brand, about what we can do with the brand, what we've done with the brand over the years, financial inclusion. Um, and then at some point you ask, okay, but when is it time to go and actually hand over the baton while you are still passionate? And, and as I as I say, I can still dance, but you want to hand over when when the business is also in a strong position and Satrix is in a strong position. And I think that's what made the final call for me, like I said in, in my note to you guys, but a sweet but uh, a very clear answer to myself. Maybe it's now. <laughs> um, and they would probably not. I mean, I'm already thinking, oh, I would, would have loved to stay for this stall, but there will never be a, a, a right time. But I think this is a, is a good time for the business too. That sounds very noble. What are you going off to do? First, um, nothing. I would. It would be lovely if I can just um, have nothing in my diary and think I can. I would have loved to have gone travelling. Um, that that will probably not happen. Uh, but probably first on my list is also to get fit um, and just do something. Uh, not not the ordinary everyday uh, work life uh, agenda. And then after that, I mean, I will use the time to also think about about the future. There's lovely, there's there's interesting things happening in the industry. Um, so what what comes next? Uh, I think there's a there's an inning still left. Helena, didn't they try to persuade you to stay? I mean, you really were very successful in this role and one of the leading female leaders in in the Sun, broader Sunlum group. Why didn't they try a bit harder to keep you? 
Um, they, it's, it's really no reflection on them not trying. <laughs> um, I've had a very, very, uh, sort of mature group of people that I've chatted probably over the last two months with. Um, and I think it's a very responsible way that we will handle the business, um, in the next six months as well. Um, so all credit to them, um, in terms of, of trying and, and asking what could be different. Um, uh, I think they also know me well to know that if I've made the decision, then um, I've made it, and and I think it's it's really it's really uh, it's in maybe in the best for for all of us to also um, at this stage where the business is strong. I mean, people will really put up their hand to be to be part of this business. Now that's when you want to attract people, um, and not when when the business is struggling. Helena Lise Lambrecht is also retiring, and she's the CEO of Suntum. Are we to read anything into this uh, timing of both of you leaving this group at the same time? Nothing at all. I mean, uh, Lise is re- retiring. I'm just taking a break. Um, and I also read about uh, Lise uh, for, sort of earlier in the week. So um, I wish her well, uh, but there's there's really nothing to read in this. It is really just what it is taking a break from my side. From a distance, Sunnam has always felt a bit of an old boys club, you know, a very specific clique of old boys. <laughs> Some have moved off together um, to African Rainbow, continue to engage closely with Sunnam. How have you experienced that? <laughs> Not that I didn't expect this question, but let's think about it. Um, it's it's uh, it's definitely um, not majority females in the business. Um, I myself, the way that I always thought about it is focus on what you uh, passionate about, what you know is 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 what you want, um, and what you feel strongly about. But um, I don't think it's uniquely to Sundam that any woman in this business that there's scars. There's definitely scars, but I don't think it's uniquely Sundam at all. Um, but but yeah, there's there's very strong women um, in Sundam in Sundam Investments, and I think they will. Um, they will over the years that uh, in, in business in general, uh, people should look after women. They should hear their voices. Um, and, and definitely, uh, we've got a lot of work to do there still. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I sort of, my, my attitude was always just focus and, and, uh, and sort of, yeah, um, cut out the noise and focus on, on what you can do. And I think that was my passion as well in, in Satrix. Maybe part of the, the personality of the brand is the purpose that was so important for me, um, uh, financial inclusion. And I do think that's, a, that's probably an angle that a woman brought to this business is the fact that you feel so, so passionate about equality um, and in this case financial inclusion. So I hope that that part specifically can continue um, as part of the brand. And as, as part of the business. The financial services sector and asset management in general is notoriously difficult for women to break into. Uh, how did you manage to break through that invisible barrier? Perhaps just take us a step back in your career. Give us some tips on w- what other women could maybe do to emulate your success. Yeah, like I said, f- focus on, on, on what you believe is important and what you think that... Um, uh, it, yeah, what can make a difference? In my case, in my case, it was what can make a difference. So what also helped maybe for me was that, um, passive, the passive industry, the passive management style wasn't core business. So in a way, I didn't have any attention on me. Um, and I was allowed a lot of freedom to build something because it wasn't core. 
um, and in and that and that brings a kind of strength because you don't have the support of the core of the business. Uh, the strategic support came from Sundam in terms of of picking uh, um, this industry and saying, "Listen, in 2000, let's launch the first exchange-traded fund." That's fantastic, and I think the strategic support came over the years. But what helped was that there was not really huge support in the idea, um, and that made my that made you tough. And if you believe in it, work out a way of proving that this is an idea that should fly. Um, and I'm not saying choose something that's not core, but but just believe in in what you do and that you're strong. Believe in that. I mean, uh, um, and and focus on on how, um, yeah, just cut out the noise. That worked for me um, to really uh, work out, prepare well, um, and and know what you believe in. One of your competitors in the ETF space, Magda Vejiska, told one of my colleagues uh, some time back that she's often had to work very hard at a, having a tough exterior because people are really unkind to women in your sector. And, you know, she looks tough, but she's really had to sort of hide her tears and so on. Can you tell us a bit about whether you've had that kind of experience? <laughs> um I, you, you probably try your personality. You must also believe that what you are, don't try and change that. So I didn't try and, and be tougher than, than I am. Um, I tried to be authentic and I, and I don't want to use a cliche word, but I tried to stay what I believe in and, and to be the core. My core part didn't change ever. Um, and if I, if I wasn't sure what to do in my heart, I was asking me what, what is the right thing to do. So that's my style. Um, uh, at the beginning, I was, I was probably often questioned in terms of, um, too much of a, uh, of a soft approach. Um, that did upset me at the beginning. What I was, uh, what I'm now looking back at is, is I'm happy that I didn't change my style at all. Um, and, and that you actually just stayed true to yourself. Now that's tough because at some point, I mean, that, that also only, um, is successful if you look back and you think, okay, thank goodness I, I stuck to that style, but do know who you are. Um, and, and, and part of the, the fact that we're women, we shouldn't change our exterior, um, and our interior. I mean, it's, it's what you are. That's what we bring to the party. If that is not welcome wherever you are, then probably your idea would not be welcome there either. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that was for me very important to, to, to always think what is the right thing to do. Um, and, and in that way, find the passion and also the resilience, because that's what you need. You will need a hell of a lot of resilience in this industry. I remember chatting to Anthony Ginsberg, who is your predecessor, and he tried persuading Sunlam to start running exchange-traded funds when he was still an employee with Sunlam's asset management division. And he told me at the time he got so frustrated that he threw in the towel, and uh, you, uh, many of our listeners will probably know he went on to start his own Global index yes, yeah, yeah. How have you experienced being an innovator in an organization that looks very conservative from the outside? Yeah. 
Look, Anthony was a huge supporter. He's still a huge supporter. We we still chat a lot at our 20th birthday. He also sent us a, a birthday message. So I think well done to him because he was really one of the first people that, that actually thought about index um, funds and specifically exchange-traded funds. Um, now, in, in, in my... In my specific case, it was sort of a combination of not only being a woman, but also being a, a quant, a quantitative analyst. So looking more at numbers and not really at the fundamental area of the business. And then coming um, in as uh, someone focusing on, on passive management rather than your active management. So I think that's probably the worst you can get. Um, at some point, I was the only woman in the team and, and a quant. Um, so I do believe those earlier years, maybe I was naive, maybe I didn't even know how bad it was, but that made me strong. Um, and, and I had also very important people along the way that guided me. And they were men because at that stage there were no women around as mentors. Um, so there were people in my life that actually opened doors for me. And, and uh, that's how I believe that in the end um, they opened the door, but I also knocked. Um, and I think that's important. Don't wait for that opportunity. Knock, believe in yourself, um, take that idea um, and uh, um, um, stick to, again, I come back to what you believe in because then it's really strong. Don't try and, and be something that um, you think they will accept. There's lots of those people around. Um, be yourself and, 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 and find something that you believe in and, and just run with that purpose. Helena, you've become a role model in your industry, but then you've also made an impact on ordinary savers by helping to grow the sector, uh, keeping investment costs down. And you speak or you've spoken before in the past about democratizing investments. What does that actually mm. mean? Yeah, that's exactly the purpose that I spoke about is that um, financial inclusion. If you just think about South Africa, um, we have a very unique situation and, and really struggling to, to save. Now, Satrix, as early as 2006, they've already started the Satrix investment plan. And at that stage, it was huge to think about, uh, uh, that you can actually invest on the stock market for 300 rand per month. So that was already um, something very big. Then we went um, further and actually uh, we approached Easy Equities and you know Easy Equities well. Um, and, and we... Uh, a joint partnership will launch Satrix now. And, and that was really in uh, is equities technology that, um, fractional shares that enabled us then to say, okay, but now you, you can actually invest and, and, um, for as little as 10 rand because there's no minimums. And that's huge. I mean, when we, uh, a few years ago, we went to visit Harvard and, um, we spoke about this and specifically, um, savings and, and they were in awe because there you don't have even these kind of online platforms you do have online platforms but not with low minimums and enabling people to to um uh, to save so so this is i i do think um it's a game changer the fact that we opened the market now also access in any form so access to the markets but think bigger than that and i think exchange traded funds in itself is a is a fabulous vehicle if you think that's access to other parts of the world uh china etf um signia's uh, fourth industrial revolution it's access to other areas of of the business and of the world and um 
people should see that as a, I mean, it's a wonderful, exciting time to live in is, is, is that we've seen this and that people around us, I mean, ordinary citizens that they can, can save. I mean, that is really something to be passionate about. Where do you think the ETF sector is evolving to in South Africa? What, what do you see happening there in that space? What, what I'm glad to see is that it's changing from the perception that it's only um, passive and index management um, vehicle, that it's actually a vehicle um, to an underlying. And what I mean by that is see it as, a, as actually a wrapper, something that, can, uh, that gives you access to either uh, a country China, a mega trend like healthcare, um, even an active fund. Um, and I think that is, if we can get to that point where you can see it's an, a vehicle, it's an access vehicle, um, because you pay 10 rand and you can actually own and get exposure to the top 40 stocks or to a country, to the MSCI World Index, um, to uh, um, healthcare sector, then I think we've we've made a huge strides, and um, because that uh, that that will not only um, help ordinary citizens, but anyone building a portfolio, so asset managers, um, uh, wealth managers, uh, it opens up huge huge uh, possibilities. Well, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you, Helena. Good luck with your next venture. Thank you very much, and thanks thanks for having me tonight. I really appreciate that. That was Helena, that was Helena Conradi, outgoing CEO of Satrix, which has more than 130 billion rand under management. From one of South Africa's smartest women to another one, Grace Harding is an entrepreneur as well. She has a wealth of experience across a number of businesses and runs Africa's largest seafood franchise, I believe. Grace, last time I looked, you had more than 200 stores across 16 countries and sales of about 2 billion rand a year. Is that still the accurate picture of your business empire? Uh, If you leave out 2020, so we go 2018, 2019, 2021. Well, we won't hold that against you. It doesn't have the number 13 in it. Okay. It is is quite accurate. Um, Yeah, it's a lovely brand, very unique um, with lots of love and care for people. How many people do you employ and care for? Well, it's primarily a franchise model. We only currently own the restaurants in Cyprus, but I would say that the brand employs over 8,000 people um, in all its 200-odd stores. That's a lot of people to keep you awake at night, Grace. Yeah, definitely, especially in these times. And it was so interesting listening to your previous guest. Wow, the woman talk. (laughs) Yes. So, Grace, you are also very inspirational, and you've also been very strong in this very difficult environment, and you've been campaigning uh, for your sector. Can you just tell us a bit about what drives you? Sure. Um, You know, I've always been somebody who – wants to change the flavor of the workplace. I'm so against hierarchy and titles and pretentiousness and Ocean Basket gives me a place to bring those dreams to life. It was started by a true entrepreneur, by brothers with a real Mediterranean mother, and they never worked in the corporate environment. So they they never understood this thing about titles and some people having bigger chairs than other people. And they've always had enormous respect for women. So it's really interesting. But the thing that drives me 
and it's definitely something that I haven't fulfilled yet in this industry, is to find a way that businesses can be successful and profitable while uplifting the lives of people because the hospitality industry is really, really tough and it's not the best paying industry when it comes to the, the people who work on the ground. And they, many of them, when you when you go to a restaurant, you really feel that people are doing this because they have a passion. You know, the mm. chefs have a passion for cooking and so on. What is the employment situation like in South Africa in your sector? Um, you know, there's so many different kinds of restaurants. It's always People always ask me that. And a restaurant is a bit like saying, what's the medical industry like? I mean, there's dentists, there's gynecologists, there's surgeons, there's pediatricians. So I think in the higher end, uh, the very bespoke restaurants, I think that they are pretty much back on their feet now. Um, people sort of right at the top kind of remain there. And then you have your casual dining ourselves, Spur, you know, the Mythoses, Nikos, you know, the brands. And then you've got all the other restaurants, you know, Mama's Pizzeria and George's Coffee Shop, and I would say that many employees were retrenched last year, and I would estimate between 60 and 70% have been reemployed. but it's a very volatile time because, you know, then we have the family meeting and then we're not sure, and, and we certainly aren't out the woods. I mean, besides the country-placing restrictions, the consumer is nervous. So it's it's very unsettling. They come back to work, they go, they work a shift, they don't work a shift. But overall, I would say more people are back at work. And do you think some aspects of your business have changed irrevocably? And if so, which ones? Yeah, you know, there was this word pivot, which has become a new favorite, unfavorite word. Um, I think one has to be so careful because – the, the meaning of pivot could also mean dis, detract. Um, and we've been hearing things that say, oh, restaurants are not going to survive. Everybody's going to live on takeaways. Um, you know, since the days of Jesus and before that, people don't want to, like, eat alone. So I think it's been hard to stay true to who we are. Our deliveries have certainly increased and our belief is that it's going to even out. It certainly is going to even out. We're very different to the retail industry. You know, we probably bought more stuff online in the last year than ever. Washing machines, coats, groceries. Will we switch or will that balance out? I don't know. But I think the need to be together, to break bread, I don't think that that's ever going to go away. So it has changed. We learned many lessons. The biggest lesson we learned was to be more efficient, um, to carry less stock, all those things that we were working on, but there's nothing like a crisis to give you uh, the fright of your life. And you obviously have a good eye for spotting business opportunities. So where are the opportunities if somebody perhaps has lost their job or they're looking at uh, building their own business and emulating your success or even just on a smaller scale, where do you see the opportunities now? It, I think it all depends. I mean, I've always said uh, before Ocean Basket, I had my own little business. It was a tiny little business. We employed 12 people. And before that, I worked in corporate but I think it depends on, 
on what your skill is. And if you have a skill that solves a problem and adds value to someone, you, you won't be out of a job. So it's not so much about what opportunities are there. I think it's got to be about what are your skills and where can you add value and what problem can you solve? And there certainly are opportunities. People, I also think, or companies are shifting from only full-time employees to a mixed model. We have a completely mixed model at Ocean Basket. Now some people have a full-time contract, some people don't. But I think people who who are unemployed, I mean, I know about five people who were retrenched and it was extremely traumatic for them. I mean, the one person was in the entertainment theater industry. That industry, uh, my heart goes out to them. And she's gotten back on her feet and her skills in understanding theater, event management, dealing with people. She's back on her feet. It's not easy. And um, I do think that there needs to be more effort in organizing sessions where we talk to each other. Um, and, you know, I, I do that sometimes and I'd be so happy to do that more because sometimes you just get stuck and sad but you've got to find a problem to solve and a skill to draw on. Are you finding that restaurateurs are much more collegial since the start of COVID-19? Much more? Well, much more friendly to each other, not less competitive. Word, collegial. <laughs> um, we certainly become, um, I think we are more collaborative. I mean, I loved listening to Eliana. Um, I wrote her name down. I've got to have tea with her. Women are different. So um, there's now a woman in charge of the Spur Group, and immediately, and I've worked with her before, and immediately there's more connection. Immediately we're talking about what are we going to do, you know, to really find a, a better way to pay these people because we can't just increase salaries. You know, then the business model's not going to work, but we've got to find ways. I think there is more collaboration. Um, the restaurant industry has always been an industry where if you open next door to me, you know, I'm going to spit on your pavement. Um, but I think there is more collaboration. We are borrowing sugar from each other um, because we realized last year, if we stand together, it's actually much better. Grace, one of the trends you touched on was the uh, deliveries. And elsewhere in the world, these companies like Deliveroo are eating into the margins of restaurateurs. So in a way, this could be a dangerous development because if, if you look at hotels, you know, those big booking.coms and Expedias, they eat into the margins. What is the picture like in South Africa? And, and are you doing anything to counteract that or are you embracing that development? Um. I always have this debate with um, our franchise partners who I think want to slap me. We are not in the delivery business. So this is a message to all restaurateurs out there. There was a big thing last year during lockdown. And of course the restaurateurs were highly stressed and they just wanted to like take these guys on. The business of delivery is so specialized. I mean, can you imagine you must get two motorbikes, then the man crashes, then there's petrol, then there's insurance, then he doesn't come to work. Pay the money. Is it going to become more affordable? Yes. So one of the things that I'm really passionate about is finding more restaurants to join so that we can go to the Uber Eats, who we have a great relationship with, and we can go to the Mr. Deliveries and say, cool, let's work a better rate. 
But I think the focus mustn't be on what the percentage is that they take away. The focus must be on how can I deliver an incredible experience at someone's home so that they come to my restaurant. Because in the next, oh, I don't know, six, seven months, I thought COVID was going to last three months. Anyway, it looks like it's heading for three years. But in the next few months when people are more relaxed, they'll come back and I believe that the, the percentage of deliveries and takeaways will even out. It will drop. But instead of spending energy fighting against something, create a way to make it work. Because these are the professionals. Delivery is a nightmare. We've tried it in some countries. It is a nightmare. You become the manager of cars and motorbikes. It's not our competence. Grace, before we close off here, Give us a little sense of where you get your business inspiration from because, you know, other people would like to emulate your success as well. And it's about more than just your, your business choice. There's something about the philosophy of successful business people. So um, when you said your success a few times and that makes me feel so anxious. Um, success always sounds like, you know, you've completed or arrived somewhere. And at the age of 56, I'm still a really dedicated student where do I get my inspiration from? So many places. Uh, I, read, um, I read and read and read and read, and mostly I consume audiobooks because my ADD doesn't like me to like sit in front of books. Um, I study, I'm doing a, a course online called the Power MBA, which is the Antichrist of MBAs, which is lots of fun. Our founder, who has got a standard eight or a grade 10, is highly inspirational, and I guess my curiosity has been my powerful muscle to replace the fact that I, I didn't go to university. And in some ways, I think it's made me more curious and more hungry for information, and I'm a collaborator. There's so much I don't know, and I think that makes me curious, and I'm very grateful to my colleagues who are really incredibly strong, and they've uplifted this brand who was really feeling, I mean, Ocean Basket five, six years ago was really feeling quite dreary. So I don't know. I mean, I care deeply for people and their lives. And one day when a griller and a sculler can have a better life, um, that is what I'm aiming for. That's my ultimate aim. Thank you. Well, it's been a real pleasure having you with us here on the Business Power Hour, Grace. That was Grace Harding, CEO of Ocean Basket and a leader in the hospitality sector. Well, it's six o'clock and it's time for your Business Flash Briefing with Nadia Swart. South African Mineral and Energy Resources Minister Gwede Montashe has denied corruption in court papers responding to allegations by a losing bidder in the power tender. This is according to Bloomberg, which reports that Director General Thabo Mokwena confirmed that he and his deputy met Aldworth Mbalati, Executive Director of DNG Energy Limited, at Cream Restaurant in Pretoria in November, but denied that they tried to secure a bribe. Mantasha denies that he was involved in the evaluation of the bids for emergency power, the lion's share of which went to car powership. The European Union and the UK opened formal antitrust investigations into Facebook's classified ad service marketplace, ramping up regulatory scrutiny for the company in Europe. This is according to business premium partner, the Wall Street Journal. Both the European Commission and the UK's Competitions and Markets Authority said on Friday that they are investigating whether Facebook repurposes data it gathers from advertisers 
who buy ads in order to give illegal advantages to its own services. South African Health Minister Zweli Mkize is considering resigning over an investigation into a tendering scandal two people familiar with the matter told Bloomberg. Mkize has been under scrutiny after the health department awarded a 150 million rand contract to Digital Vibes, a company controlled by two of Mkize's former aides, to help communicate the government's response to the coronavirus pandemic. Ramaphosa said on Thursday that he would make an announcement only when he sees fit. The South African Medical Association has warned that thousands of doctors will leave the country ahead of the planned introduction of the national health insurance. The not-for-profit group, which represents the interests of more than 12,000 medical doctors in South Africa, said that its members cannot support the NHI in its current form. A survey conducted by SAMA showed that as many as 38% of its members plan to emigrate from South Africa due to the planned introduction of the NHI. And that was your Biz News Flash Briefing. I'm Nadja Swart for Biz News. For more on those and the other big stories of the day, visit biznewsradio.com. Coming up, Justin Rowe Roberts covers the financial markets for Biz News. Bright Rock believes that with every change in life comes opportunity and the markets aren't any different. The daily movement in the markets mean change for us all, sometimes small, sometimes big. This daily market report is made just for you by Brad Rock, the first ever needs meshed life insurance that changes as your life changes. The JSE All Share Index was flat at 67,800. Some of the day's highlights included Pepco up 3% to 20 Rand and 50 cents, Standard Bank down 2% to 134 Rand a share, Impala Platinum up slightly to a shade below 250 Rand a share, and Old Mutual 1.5% lower to 14 Rand 15 cents. In the currency markets, the Rand was stronger again against all the major currencies to 13 Rand 47 cents to the dollar, 19 Rand 10 cents to the pound, and 16 Rand 40 cents to the euro. Gold is slightly lower at $1,894 an ounce. Brent crude is up at $72 a barrel. The Kruger Rand is trading at 27,300 Rand. And the premier cryptocurrency is slightly lower, trading at 495,000 Rand per Bitcoin. In the American market, all the major indices are largely unchanged over the trading week, with a few more hours left of trade in New York. To clarify, those indices would be the Dow Jones Industrial Average, S&P 500, and NASDAQ. In 1999, months before the dot-com bubble, James Glassman and Kevin Hazard wrote a book named Dow Jones to 36,000. At the time, the index was around the 9,000 level. 22 years later, and the Dow Jones is nearing the 35,000 level, a 1,000 points short of Glassman and Hazard's target. The return over the, the years is hardly anything to write home about, generating a 7% compounded annual return. To put this in perspective, the JSE All Share Index has beaten this over the same corresponding period. Staying on the offshore theme for the moment, and I'd never bore you with a summary of the bond market on a Friday, but the 10-year Treasury bond in the U.S. is a very important inflation barometer. The higher the yields go, the more inflation becomes a worry to investors, the worse growth stocks perform, and even the big fangs, that's Facebook, Apple, Alphabet, Netflix, and Google, are likely to underperform. The good news is that yields have retracted the last few days, and given the heavy weighting of growth companies in the U.S. indices, your U.S. portfolio would have rebounded nicely over the past few days, with the NASDAQ up close to 1.5% so far today. Back to the JSE. On the company news front, it's been a, slight, it's been a relatively bland week, if that is such a thing in the financial markets. 
Process buying Stack Overflow is interesting. With very little coverage of the acquisition and little information on Stack Overflow, it's been a tough one to dissect properly. More to follow on this on this next week. Commodities, where are they going? If I knew the answer, I probably wouldn't be reading out this market report. I would more likely be enjoying warmer temperatures than we currently expect experiencing in Africa. Two important points here. Firstly, commodity prices are staying strong, which is great news, especially for South African investors, where the index is heavily skewed towards the performance of commodity counters. Secondly, the strong rand is a headwind. This is because these companies export their commodities abroad. The financial sector, arguably the most unloved sector over the last 12 to 18 months. We've seen earning updates from APSA and Standard Bank recently, which were both positive. Strong rand is a is, is a tailwind. Many analysts believe this is one of the few undervalued sectors of the JSE at this current point in time. Retailers, wow. Unbelievable updates from all discretionary retailers over the last two weeks. Best performers being Mr. Price and Pepco. Notable market, chains, market share gains by both of those, taking market share from small private retailers who wouldn't have had the power to survive the bottom line hit of the pandemic. Cruel, yes, but that's cap- capitalism, I guess. Retailers have noted the tailwinds to the bottom line as a result of unemployment benefits the government has been dishing out over the past year. If this stops, what next? And that was your market report brought to you by Justin. This market report was made just for you by Bradrock, the first ever needs-matched life insurance that changes as your life changes. It's Festive Friday and Carrie's in the studio ready to help you think about your weekend wine choices. Hi, Carrie. Tell us a bit about how you chose your guests for this week. Hi there. It's nice to be back and it's nice to be back with you, Jackie. My guests for this week, last week something came across my email um, telling me that Woolies have opened a dedicated smart wine store in Nickelway, which is a shopping center just up the road from where I live. And I'm very, very interested. Um, Rebecca Constable has been at the forefront of buying wine for Woolworths. She's a very, very experienced lady. And she is going to be joining us this evening to tell us what the thinking is behind the specialist wine store that Woolies has recently opened. And that, to the best of my knowledge, they've only got one, which is at the Nickelway Shopping Center. So straight to the lines. And I think we've got Rebecca on the line. Hi, Rebecca. Are you with us? Hello, good evening. Hi, thanks so much for joining us on Biz News on, on the FMR Power Hour. As I said to, to Jackie, I saw this little news clip come across my email last week and it really piqued my interest. Tell us about the new Woolies Specialist Wine Store. Well, um, I'm glad it piqued your interest. Mm. Uh, first of all, thanks very much for having me on. Um, yeah, we basically in line with um, our vision of wanting to create a sort of integrated drink shop, we have launched a brand new concept store at Nickelway, um, which entails both wine, uh, our full wine offer. But what we've done is complete the basket by also offering a selection, a curated selection of beers and spirits as well. Oh, wow. Okay. That's definitely something that I was going to ask you about because you've got such a good offering of wine, Rebecca, in your Woolies stores, on your shelves. Everybody knows with the sort of Woolies stamp of quality, you know that you can pretty much walk into any Woolies, grab a bottle of crispy dry white or sexy Shannon or, you know, whatever, Slinky Sauvignon Blanc, whatever they are. And you know, <laughs> <love> that, that. <laughs> and you know that they are going to be good quality. They're going to punch above their weight quality versus money. And you know that you can buy that. 
What is going to be different in your concept store? Well, I think one of the biggest um, differences in the concept store is really about the environment that we've tried to create. So we really wanted to elevate the experience, elevate the service as well. So through the experience, we wanted to create a really warm, inviting environment. Mm. Um, you know, it's not your typical sort of um, drink shop, shall we say, or liquor store. It's yes. creating more of a boutique style so that you can actually browse, that you can walk through, really understand the offer. And I don't know about you, but I know that so many people out there are intimidated by wine. You know, you see this massive sea of bottles and it's kind of like where do I even begin what do I do where do I start and the whole idea of this shop is that we've tried to lay it out in a way that makes it really easy and convenient for you to shop and what we've also done um, one of the things we've done with with regards to that is we've got but a dedicated area that's called what's trending. So yes. you can go straight to that and see what's new to the shelf, what's our pick, pick of the month or our recommended wine of the month, um, as well as wines that, highlighting wines that you can only find at Woolies, the oh, exclusives. Brilliant. So your Woolies own brands are all going to be in that store. Are you still going to have your Woolies wines in your other big Woolies stores? Um, yeah, 100%. So the Nickelway off uh, the Nickelway concept. Um, what we have done there is we have actually taken the wine out of the the main supermarket there, yes. and we've moved that complete offer and catalogue into the standalone store, which is actually just on the exit of the main food shop. Um, and with that, we've now got the the um the spirits and the beers as well yes. um our core offer is going to be remaining the same i mean that's really what we stand for you said it at the beginning yeah. what we really try to do within our willie's wine offer is give you something that's um, a curated edited choice you yes. know um as well as really playing on our values of innovation quality and value and yes. that is what we hope you see when you do now walk into that nickelway store um it's our full wine catalog and we have within our wine catalogue three sort of main product pillars the first of those being you touched on our Willie's wines where we've worked with winemakers um, end to end to bring you something that's unique to Willie's mm. and we also have a range which um, we now call um, our collaboration range which is where you'll only find these wines at Woolworths so you'll recognize them as your favorite brands potentially from the the label on the front but when you turn that bottle around you'll see the story behind it is that we've worked to actually give you worked with that that winery Mm. um, and that supplier to give you something completely different that's fantastic alan mullins was a very good friend of mine a colleague for many many years and he was a great loss to all of us but we're very lucky to have rebecca who's taken over and i think doing all the things and more that that alan was doing rebecca you've you've started with Nickelway, what are yes. the plans going forward and what's your sort of timing? Are you going to open and roll out a whole lot more of these little bespoke stores? Um, you know, it's early days. The, the the baby, so to speak, is only a week old. So we've, mm. we're, we're still wor- working on, on the concepts and, and wanting to refine that. But yeah, the plan is to ideally want to roll out into a couple of stores within the Gauteng division, first and foremost, so that we can centralize distribution. Um, so that would that would be what, we're, what our thinking is. But we really want to see how the customer reacts to it. Mm. And based on that, we'll, we'll hopefully have a rollout plan that we can tell you about in the in the near future oh goody and can we look forward to more sort of a woolies gin a woolies 
whiskey or Woolies brandy? Are you thinking in those sort of directions or are those sort of state secrets at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure about state secrets, but yeah, you know, I think one of the things that's synonymous about Woolies is that, um, is our private, our own label brands. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we've created as well here with W Seller. Um, we've actually created a sub brand for our wine and drinks offer. Um, at the moment, the the offering that we have within the the Nickelway store from a from a liquor and from a beer perspective really are those favorite brands that I hope complete the shop for the customer um, for any drinking occasion or, or lifestyle choice. Um, but who knows? You know, as I said, innovation is core to to our portfolio and who we're about and our brand. So mm. really something that we want to look at in the future. Well, I think it's a really good one. I mean, you no no secrets and no surprises. Rebecca was was doing this very same thing for Sainsbury's in in the UK, and I think that I'm probably one of many many South Africans who has gone into Woolies to buy wine and wished that I could just buy a bottle of whiskey and gin and brandy at the same time, um, <laughs> just like you did at Sainsbury's, sort of thing. So yeah. I do, I do look forward. From. Yeah, I think I think that you've done a really, really, really good job, Rebecca. I oh, wish you the very I'm so, best of thank luck. Thank you so much. And, and I'm and dear Alan, I hope um, if good friend of yours, you know, he really was a complete mentor and drive behind the passion that I do have for the for the area. So mm. um, I'm sure he's sadly missed, but, but I think looking he's down looking on us. down very happily 100%. and probably got a gorgeous glass of something red in his hand and enjoying yeah. listening to the radio. So Rebecca, <laughs> good luck and and well done. Thank you. We all look forward to many more Woolies bespoke stores. It looks like fun. I did stick my head in there because, as I said, it's just up the road from where I live. And I can tell you that it looks just just exactly what we would expect from Woolworths. It's crisp, it's clean, it's lovely, it's easy to look around, it's easy to walk around in and shop in. I didn't go and quiz the shop attendant too much because I didn't want to give him too much to worry about. But I was going to ask him to give me a vertical tasting of a whole of his favorite Chardonnays from the Himmel and Arda Valley. But I, I didn't want to put him off forever, Rebecca. They, so. Oh, shame. They may have been a bit step too far, but you've, you've rallied, you've, you've got a valid point there. What we are doing is we do have um, some specialized staff in the store or yes. um, store colleagues who just have that little bit more of, of wine knowledge. So Good. they're able to help someone who is, you know, complete novice through to the connoisseur. Um, and that's really what it's about, elevating exactly. that, that service and that experience. Well, well done. Fabulous. Good luck. And we chat again soon Thank the next you. time you open another one. Have a good weekend. You too. Enjoy. Thanks, Rebecca. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour, brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Well, the next guest that we've got on this evening is James Dyke. And James Dyke is no stranger to anybody who eats and drinks in South Africa because he is a chef par excellence. He's opened and closed a million restaurants and bars. I don't mean that to sound derogatory in any form or fashion, but he's opening a new one. Jamo, are you on the line? Hello, Carrie. How are you? I'm good. Where did I find you? In your wine bar. I'm actually in the wine cellar. <laughs> <laughs> so James Dyke, for any of you who have forgotten, has been giving us food and wine in his own inimitable form and fashion by way of Coob's Restaurant, 
Il Contadino. Help me, Jamo. What were they all called? Um, so it was, it was Douglas and Hale was our cocktail bar. Um, but your first one had, was Coobs, wasn't it? Coobs was sure, your Coobs first. Was the, Coobs was the first. So we opened Coobs in 2012. Yeah. Um, and then we opened uh, the National, which was a, a, like a smokehouse That's bourbon right, bar. The National. That was the one I liked. And then we moved, and then we moved up into my home uh, neighborhood of Melville. Uh, we opened uh, we opened a restaurant called the Federal, which was a take on on on, uh, the, on sort of the Nationals' food, but a little bit more cruisy and a few more cocktails and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we opened Il Contadino, which is in the on the in the, on the corner in Parktown North, which happens um, to make the best. Focaccia bread with grapes and is it brie cheese and rosemary? No, it's blue cheese. It's but, no, you kill your granny for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's grapes, blue cheese, and pine nuts. Yep, it's completely and, delicious. Keep going. And then, um, and then we started the remodels. So um, we then we then took the concept because Il Contadino was such success. Um, we took the concept up to uh, Melville. So we, we, we took we opened a little restaurant called La Stella, mm. um, and then we opened Douglas and Hale, and then lockdown happened. <laughs> yeah, lockdown. We don't ever want to talk about lockdown again, actually, no. unless <laughs> unless we really tied down, strapped to a tree or whatever, and being given a thousand lashes. We don't want to think about lockdown, do we? Exactly. It's, it's just that thing that, that we just stayed at home for five weeks. Yeah. So we've got Antonym opening up next week, and it's so anti-lockdown. It's absolutely the opposite of lockdown, isn't it? Tell us about Antonym. You know what, it, you, you know what Antonym is? And, and, and Kay, this is where I've, it's something I've always wanted to do, and it's a huge passion of mine, and it's a, it's a, it's a part of the new Coops because obviously we had to move Coops after uh, lockdown. So we moved to Parktown North right next door to Il Contadino. Yes. And we've now opened this. Well, it's not open yet. We open next Thursday. Um, and and what I'm trying to do is, and antonym is the opposite. Um, it's it's the unexpected, I suppose. And well, it's what the we, opposite what of synonym. So it's it's anything that it's not. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a wine bar, but it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'm trying to do is, and 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 I think maybe maybe there's a space for it, and I hope there is. Is I'm trying to encourage people because I know I know how squeezed my budget was after lockdown, and I know how many people have sort of had to cut back on their luxurious activities like going to wine bars and yes. out for dinner and stuff. So what we've done with Antonym is we have we we have 18 white wines, 20 red wines, all by the glass, and they range from 35 rand a glass all the way to 200 rand a glass. Okay. And the idea behind that is. Is make of the space what you will. Yeah. Um, it's it's a cruisy little spot that's it's just you always welcome. It opens at twelve o'clock from a Tuesday to Sunday, and you just knock through. And it's got the most chilled out little menu. And it's just it's it's just supposed to be a place to come and forget about. Yeah. It's, that's it's a let's forget lockdown bar. It's, exactly. That's sort of what it is. But it's down that little alley in Parktown North where Tiro Molinari used to be with his restaurant, which is called Help Me Now. My, name, my brain's being addled. What's Tiro's well, restaurant? 
Chiro. That was difficult. Yeah. Chiro Molinari. Yeah. Molinari. Um, so he was there first, and he sort of put a little stamp on that alleyway that you've basically sort of commandeered over the last two years as yours. So you yeah, have, so you now have Antonym, you have Coobs, you have Il Contadino, and round the corner, Janet. The inimitable Janet Dyack, who is James's mother, who we love and adore, has got a deli that she fuels and feeds from her farm, which we'll do on and another And everything occasion. we serve in our restaurants, you can get at the deli. Yes. That's the idea. So you can go have a, go have a crack and see if you can be a better chef than me um, <laughs> at home <laughs> using, using my ingredients. And I love – I can't – tell you how I love being back in one spot. You know, I was at Coops yeah. for five years before I did anything else. Yes. And and to be able to see all my customers and customers you haven't seen in a year or over. And I'm just always around and it's, it's so lucky to be back. You know? Yeah. No, you've got that typical sort of anybody who's lived in London for a bit knows that feel as well. You just put a local stamp on your thing. So if you live anywhere around about your little spot, your little part of Parktown North is everybody who lives in the parks is local. And that's exactly. what I think Antonym is going to become. It's going to become the parks is local. Or you can pop in for a nice crispy glass of something or a nice mellow, rounded, big, fat, red glass of something. You can have a little snack if you want to and you can roll down the road and go home. It's such a nice concept. You know, you're, you're Carrie, I think, I think we're, we're – we're as restaurateurs, we have to adapt is, you know, sometimes guys just want a 50 rand glass of wine and two tapas and be out of here for 175 rand and be good. Listen, sometimes um, they want a 450 rand glass of wine, but they can only afford a 30 rand glass of wine. Exactly, so that's but even best, better. <laughs> best, but, but, but best, best know that, that every glass of wine has been hand selected. I mean, you and I have been through the list extensively. A million times. That is going to be one of the nicest wine lists ever, ever, ever. Tell us what you're going to be feeding us quickly, JMO. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff off the farm. So we're doing um, doing some just some beautiful homemade uh, cold baked breads with uh, pâtés off the farm. We got some of our farm charcuterie stuff that we're doing. Then there's a beautiful white anchovy and tomato salad. Um, we, we're doing some ba- some baby just some squid mm. with our homemade chorizo. There is a little take on our bangers and mash, which is oh, please. world can famous. Please, can we have bangers just, and mash? And can we also just have a little baby weenie fishy and chippies there too? Because you can and all, your fish it and can chips. All, all be organized. It's, yeah. and, and everything is just supposed to make you want to sit and talk and actually just forget. Chill, yeah. It really is. It's a good concept. I think it's fabulous. It's bringing everything down a few notches. I think COVID, as much as we all hated it, has done exactly that to a lot of the people that I know. It has brought us down to brass tacks, makes us look at ourselves in the mirror and say, what's really important? And so one of the important things is to pop into Antonym and have a glass of vino with your mates and a little bite of nibble and go home. I think that's exactly what – That's if I, I couldn't explain it better, Carrie. That's exactly mm. what we are. Okay, my JMO. Well, lots and lots of luck to you. Um, you know that you have everybody's support in Johannesburg. You've brought so much to the Johannesburg, to the Gauteng community, and to the tourists to Joburg as well. Everybody knows about James Dyack. Everybody knows about your cooking prowess and your love of wine. So we know that it's going to be a success. I am going to be there next week. I'm doing a trial run on Wednesday night with you. You're with a wine farmer of note. And we're going to rip up 
the bar on Wednesday night. I hope it can be ready in time for opening night on Thursday. Well, it's, it's already ready. I'm just waiting for the menu to be finished, and then we're good to go. If anybody wants to pull in for your opening, can they, or is it by invitation? Yeah, it's, 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 it's open doors. I mean, we open from Thursday at uh, 3 o'clock okay. um, officially, and they're welcome to come. Or if they want to, they want to book a table, they can call us at Coops, um, number being 10 4793 and they are welcome to come through, have a glass. We can move you across to Cubes if you want a main dinner. We really just, we really want to make ourselves sort of, you know, just your home away from home. That's mm-hmm. who we are. I want you to spearhead the dawn of the English pub in South Africa. Everybody wants that same English pub that you just feel comfy in, you have your seat in, you can slope in, you can have a drink, and you can go home. So I think that's what Antonym is. Good luck. I think exactly what it is. And thank you so much for coming on on the Business News Power Hour with us. Have a fabulous weekend and stay warm. It's freezing out there. Thank you, Carrie, and you too. And I hope... uh Your power holds up at home and everything else. (laughs) What power? We haven't had any power for two days. (laughs) You know. (laughs) Jamo, have a fabulous evening. (laughs) You too. Thanks, my sweetie. Bye. Cheers, Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Biz News Power Hour brought to you by the team at biznews.com. Well, Dex, what are you doing? I don't have any power at home. Sorry. You don't have any power at home, but do you have a nice glass of wine to get home to? I do have a nice glass of wine to get home to. What are you going to drink when you go home to this evening? I've got no idea. I've only got Plonk in my, in my fridge. What you are know you, what? what are you going plonk to works as well. Do you know how many people live on from one glass of Plonk to the next? And there's no real thing. There's no such thing as plonk. Wine is all a gift of the vine. It's all gorgeous. It doesn't matter whether it's sweet, dry, white, red, sticky, sparkly, fizzy. What? It's all a gift from God. We have to all enjoy it. So when I'm going home this evening, I think I'm going to open a bottle. There's a farm in Stellenbosch called Glen Ellie. And it's owned by a woman who I revere above most women in the world. Her name is Mae Delancasan. And she bought this farm, I think she was 80-something years old when she came from France and bought this farm. A true and utter pioneer in South Africa. At the age of 84, I think she was, she bought the farm and planted vineyard and has made such a success of it. And that was about... Gosh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe she wasn't 84, maybe she was 74, but she was, she was already in a space in her life where she did not need to prove herself as anything other than the magnificent woman that she is. So she started Glen Ellie, which is a farm right next door to Rustenburg in Stellenbosch. And she has a fabulous winemaker by the name of Luke. And I can't say his surname. It's a hectic sort of Welsh sounding surname. And over the years, I've watched this wine organically grow and it is beautiful and she's made a bordeaux style blend called lady may and i am going to treat myself to a glass of lady may this evening sounds wonderful and also really fascinating to hear that you can actually start a business at the age of 80 and be really successful that's why i wanted to just give everybody that big fat boost of upliftment on a friday if you've had a week where you're thinking am i ever going to make a success Is anybody ever going to help me? Is my business ever going to grow wings? 
The answer is a big fat yes. It absolutely can. That was Carrie Adams, your wine guru on a festive Friday here on Biz News. Thanks for being with us on the Biz News Power Hour. We're on air daily weekdays from 5.30 South Africa time. You can pick up a recording of the show on the Biz News Radio channel on Spotify and iTunes. We also live stream worldwide and broadcast free to air on FMR in Cape Town. I'm Jackie Cameron. From me and the rest of the Biz News team, have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Power Hour, brought to you by the team at Biz News.